Welcome to Pardon Confusion. I'm joined by Ernest Watts and I'm Paul Arnold, and we're back to talk about sports, culture, entertainment. What other topics do we like to talk about, Ernest? Sports. Sports. <laughs> sports we talk about sports. sports. This is this is a good time of the year because everyone who has a baseball team legitimately thinks they have a chance, even though they don't. Uh, you got the NBA playoffs starting on Saturday. You got the last month of the NHL. They're lining up for the playoffs. Uh, you got the draft at the end of the month. You've got the USFL starting on Saturday. Uh, about every sport you want. You got the Masters just finished. Uh, you got the French Open coming up. Uh, I'm not a NASCAR fan, but you got NASCAR going. About every sport you want is going on. It used to be the only months where you had all four sports going on was, was just October. And now with spring football, which has been unsuccessful the last three years, uh, four years, excuse me, four years, uh, you got year-round sports in that respect. Last year we had spring football through FCS uh, played all their games in the spring. So yeah. it's and then we we you know we have a new we have an MLS soccer team that's starting down here. So there's no I was leaving we were leaving church and my wife was in a discussion group. We said do we have to leave? Is there a ball game on? I said there's always a ball game <laughs> on. Somewhere in the world, there is a ball game going on. It might be on a soccer pitch. It might be uh, uh, team handball in Romania, but there's always sports going on. Is there no end to the money that supports sports? I mean, in a way, we I always think it's the billionaires that are driving sports, but it's really guys like you and me who choose the sports packages on our TV cable or we're going to games or um, we're the prime demographics for advertisers you know so i mean i think uh, right now xfl is announcing what they're going to do and the usfl is coming out i think gosh it seems like there's a lot of sports that are going to fail but there just seems to be more and more now the big thing that's going to push the usfl is going to be gambling that's that's what they're looking they don't care about they're playing all their games in one stadium birmingham legion stadium which is enormous but they don't care about the crowds. They're playing all the games in one location. It's it's gambling. That's essentially what, and that's what the USFL is going to uh, hook up to. I mean, that's that's the form, that's the revenue form that everybody's looking to. And we'll slowly get into the European model where you can bet in the stadium during the game. And that's that's the revenue. I mean, that's there is a to be able to borrow the money to start these leagues and these teams. You've got a prospectus to a financial group that looks pretty good, and gambling is the big thing now. I mean, baseball's hooking into you. You turn on a major league uh, MLB network, and where they used to show you the pitching matchups, I know they show you the odds. I know. So it makes me wonder: like, does do Americans have more discretionary money, or we're just addicted more than ever before? I think I think it's part of an addiction. I think gambling has to be an addiction to an extent. Like, you know, what is alcohol? What is smoking? I mean, we, we're an addictive nation. Uh, why do we like streaming certain programs? Because we get addicted to it. We can't wait a week. We have to sit down and watch all of them at one time. We're, we're an addictive nation. We're a coffee 
dread where, where our dopamine is created by smoking and drinking coffee and mm-hmm. eating sugar products. We're just a we're just jonesing for the next thing around the corner. It'd be hardest for me to give up coffee right now. I think that is something. I'm, but what would be the hardest thing for you to give up right now? Whether it's food, drink, oh, or or some type of sport. TV, TV, <laughs> just TV. Would just be hard. TV. If you if your yeah, TV blew out, I, you'd be I, buying I another. Get a, I get I get a little box and like put ants in, create one. We don't even watch on your phone now, so you don't really need a television. And you can stream so much. I mean, it's, are you aware of all the Major League Baseball streaming they're doing this year? Tell me more. This is, this is a dying sport. Remember that, okay? Average fan age is over 60. Yet, you've got Apple TV, which will show a doubleheader every Friday. The ESPN Monday night games and the ESPN Wednesday night games are no longer going to be. ESPN is just broadcasting on Sunday night. So you've got Apple TV, which you can supposedly watch these for free till June, doubleheader every week. Uh, Peacock, starting in May, will have games at 11.30 every Sunday. It's called Start Your Sunday Right. Those wonderful church attendance, and you have to have peacocking. You've got a peacock premiere, and you have to stream it to watch these games. TBS has games on Sunday afternoon and Tuesday night. And then Major League Baseball fills in the rest of it. But see, now if you want to watch all the Major League games, you have to have a streaming package, which includes not only Major League Baseball Network, not only the Major League network itself the the pay that pays for all the channels uh apple peacock espn and tbs all right wait wait stop i'm getting all dizzy okay let uh, me there's, maybe there's one more my... hold on, hold on. there's one more starting in may youtube gets exclusive games in the afternoon so you have to have youtube tv also all right maybe the question should be what sport if you had to give up one sport what would it be oh wow one sport, NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> and you're uh, in North Carolina where it started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I could. I have, I have, I, see, I have teams in almost every league. I mean, I have the Hornets in basketball. I've got the Panthers in football. I've got the Hurricanes in NHL. And adopted the Braves over, over years in, in baseball. If I had to give up, well, you go first. Which would you give up? Yeah, I would have no problem giving up NASCAR. I pretty much already have. I used to enjoy okay. it when I lived in North Carolina. But when we moved to Michigan, I lost track of who were the um, drivers. And uh, But you're you're almost as close to a track. you got a track, what, 30 miles down oh, the yeah, road? Oh, yeah, we do. We have our Michigan Speedway track not does too it far get, away. Does it get that much media? I mean, the media coverage for it has fell off the cliff. And I think they have the same problem that every major sport does. I think NASCAR is one of their problems. The rivalries just, it's not the same. Um, they used to have really good rivalries with Gordon and Earnhardt and uh, Rusty Wallace and Cale Yarbo. If you go all the way back to Richard and Petty. Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. I mean, you had always, good rivalries. And then Kevin stars. Harvick had one with um, Tony Stewart for a while. And then maybe I just got busy and, 
I'm not going to spend my time on that, but um, let's get back to some real live well, well, sports. Can I give you, before we get that, can I give you to a real theory why I think that is? I think NFL is the only one that, that does not have to have stars to be popular. Mm. I think the NBA, we saw drop off when Michael left to Kobe ascended to the top. And then when Kobe uh, got progressively older than LeBron, but there's always the concern when LeBron leaves, who's going to take the mantle? Baseball, the big concern is with all the young talent, there's no real star. Mike Trout, they've tried to make that, but he's been to one playoff series. Uh, hockey is the same thing. A lot of people can't name you five hockey players. They don't know who the best hockey players are. But I think football is insulated to this. And this might be the idea or concept because there are so many players in the field or the fact that they're wearing helmets and masks. But I think football, no matter, they don't have to have a great team. They don't have to have great players. It will always be the number one sport. Now, I defer to you, to live sports. Yeah, do you just, agree with that? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do think NFL really has figured it out. I think a lot of it has to do with what the generational stuff goes on, meaning that we've, we grew up, we watched baseball because our dads were watching baseball. Or we, uh, and with our kids, we watched baseball with them, but... You know, my sons helped me to understand premier soccer, and I had a really good experience going over to England and watching a game. So now I watched Liverpool versus Man City last Sunday, and it was a great soccer match. And I'm not sure I could have enjoyed it very much a couple of years ago, but it takes time, and you start understanding characters. And um, soccer's done a pretty good job of, of promoting stars and international stars and we start to get hold of that and you understand the game a little better you realize you don't have to score to have some really interesting uh television i think the world cup soccer really helped that as well um i, I think the advantages are that it's a constant sport and you know it's going to be two hours you know you watch a baseball game it may be four hours long uh i mean there's there's no overtime it's four hours it's constant running. They make up for the difference with, with stoppage time, but pretty two much hours, you know, yeah, two, yeah, yeah. Baseball's four hours, but soccer's two hours. I mean, if it starts at nine, you know it's going to be over at eleven. Whereas if you sit down with a baseball game, you don't know how long you're going to sit there. Now, supposedly they're going to change things. We shall see. I've heard this before. Yeah. Well, so the most compelling thing that I watched last weekend was either that soccer game, but probably more likely the Masters, just because it's a rite of spring. I mean, there's certain sports that you really love the first time you get to see something like that, and people rush out to the golf courses. But seeing Tiger come back with so much pain in his face, but the love of the game propels him. He could easily just hang it up with his billion or close to billion dollars. I don't know how much he got after the divorce, but he's got plenty never to play again. But his love of the game... And is he's still pursuing the 18 majors that he's won behind Jack Nicholas? Um, that was really compelling. And then, no matter who's playing the final round, the pressure of the Masters is so surreal. It's so hard. The shortest hole, this number 12, which is a par three, just chews up the best players in the whole world. And uh, even Scotty Scheffler, who won last hole, he putted a four putt. And he still had enough strokes to win, but it just proved that it doesn't matter how good you are um, at the Masters, that much pressure changes things. And that's just really compelling 
uh, sports in a way. It, it sort of goes slow for a while, but there's some cool apps now on masters.com or masters.org where you can pick what player you want to follow, how, this, how far is their shots, what's their track record. So I think Masters has done a really good job about keeping their brand alive and engaging people and um yeah, just that was that was my favorite thing to watch this last weekend. How about you? That that last round by Rory. Oh Michael amazing. Rory. I mean he just he just you know, if he if he had another hole, of course you can't have another hole. And with Tiger the comparison is is and I'm gonna go back into history before your time. Ben Hogan. Ben, ben Hogan. But Ben Hogan was only 38 when that happened. And it was a terrible car accident. Not as probably worse than Tiger's. And because he limped the rest of his life. Now, Ben wasn't the most likable person in the world. What kind of brought that up was they did a movie about it with Glenn Ford, this iconic Western character. He always played Cowboys. And the movie is, is highly uh, inspirational in that respect. And that kind of feeds into the, the legend of, of Ben Hogan in that respect. But yeah, I mean, I don't think Tiger's going to get 18th. I think age and a few other things. And but it's 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 interesting that since he since his marital problems, they floated so many guys. This is going to be the next Tiger. This is going to be this is going to be the next guy. And you see today, DeChambeau has surgery. And they don't know when he's coming back. Yeah, Jordan Spieth disappeared. He had a couple good years, and he's lost his edge. It's it's the main. That's the difference between with Tiger and, and Jack Nicklaus, is they were able to do it over a long period of time. And it's it, you know whether he gets 18th or not, I, th I think they're fairly comparative because they play golf at different times. I think Tiger's problem is to the extent that he got bored when it got too easy for him. That's why he tried started training like a Navy SEAL, wanted to become a Navy SEAL. But it's you can make there's a great special on HBO if you got HBO Max, watch it about Tiger. But he's he's a fascinating character. But again, it was it was nice. I mean, he got he got did more the first two rounds than I thought. The fade in the last two was kind of like I figured the toil, you know. People watch it. You don't get a real representation of how hilly that area is. Yeah, yeah. That he had to walk the whole course. And your putting is the hardest thing anyway. And he hadn't played enough. And uh, he just putted so horribly. His irons were not too bad. But, yeah, that was the number one and two things. But I started, I watched some baseball, and, and it was fun for my Detroit Tigers to have a walk-off. Uh, Torkelson. First win. I mean, that's you got a hot rookie. You picked up Baez. It's uh, Badu. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Badu. Uh, He's a one bad yeah, dude. Yes, one bad dude. I mean, it's it's they've got the beginnings, and that's not exactly a division that that's really got a, a runaway winner because the White Sox have a lot of injuries. Cleveland has this rookie Chin, who is gotten a hit every time he comes to bat. He's like he was twelve for fourteen at one time. But you know, it's it's the beginning of the season, you could be 0 and seven and there's still a chance to come back. Mm -hmm. I mean my Braves won the World Series last year. They're under five hundred in August. Everybody knows that story. So, you know, spring, what is the old expression? Spring is when hope blooms eternal for baseball teams mm -hmm. and flowers. It's it's the great time of the year you look at your team and go, you know, 
this young rookie might do this, and the pitching may come through, and you got an extra playoff position this year. Yeah. What did you I'm, think I'm, about Acuna's comments when Freddie Freeman left? Like, you know, it doesn't matter to me, or, you know, well, nothing lost there type of thing. And I'm not saying it happens at all, but, but there is a generational difference between older players in their 30s who, who grew up, this is the way things are supposed to be done. And newer guys, and we see it in all the sports, who their equation is, I'm not going to sit down and keep my mouth shut. If I'm as good as you or better than you, get out of my way. And, and we see it at work. We see it in, in organizations all the time. Old People who've been in a group for a period of time feel like there's some type of reverence or kowtowing or are respected their due because they do it for a period of time. And someone who thinks or can show that they're as good as they are feels like I don't have to respect somebody if I can do the same thing you can. I mean, we, we've seen it and, and, you know, not to classify a group of people, it has seems to be a lot of older Caucasian players don't particularly care for our younger Hispanic players tend to play with a little bit of flair. Yeah, Javi Baez, who's now Tiger, has caught a lot of fl- problems for flinging his bat and dancing and everything. You know, if you watch games in the Caribbean during the Caribbean series or when we have the World Baseball Classic, uh, baseball is is equivalent of college football to them, and they play with a flair that I think older Caucasian guys have a problem with. So I think it's a cultural change. You know, Akuna plays with a lot of flair, has a lot of jewelry, and Freddie is more of you respect your elders, and uh, there's always going to be bashing afterwards when when players leave teams. That's that's unfortunately a natural thing. But I think I don't think that was an entertaining thing. I think that's a generational. You think it's an ego thing from Akuna? No, I think Akuna has shown that he kind of speaks his mind. I think it's more of a generation. I really do think it's more of a generational thing than, than than the team itself. While they were playing, no problems. See, we have this fallacy as fans that we think um, all the players eat at the same diner and travel together and best of friends. Well, look where you work. Are you best of friends with everybody you work with? No. There's I mean, drama there's some, everywhere, as you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's some people you can stand, some you can't tolerate. It's the same for organizations. It's true in your church. You love everybody oh, you, in church. Get, leave me to a joke. You, you know yeah, what happens when you get three Baptists together? Well, they'll usually get into a fight, but go ahead. You get four opinions. Four opinions? <laughs> I mean, that's just it's human nature. We And, and we fed into this mythology about sports if guys play together they're of a one mind and concern no no i mean uh the hurricanes picked up a, a guy from who got fired from the rangers literally they cut his contract tony angelo and he unfortunately abides with some political opinions that i don't particularly care for and they were worried about would he disrupt when he joined the hurricanes well uh rod brendan wore the coach is going, you know, while you're on the ice, hockey is all we're going to talk about. And he has, he's a very strong personality. 
But no, I mean, not every player and every team loves the manager slash coach. And not every player likes each other no more than you do in your own family. I mean, I hope your family. Hey, all hey, hey, let's keep family out of this, buddy. Hey, well, hey. I was going to say, I mean, it's just, and we do, we, we mythology idea that guys are on the same team. They like each other. All right. No. Well, let's get to the, probably let's, one of the biggest drama Kings in all sports right now. That's Baker Mayfield. He did an interview saying that the Browns totally disrespected me. And he's thinking he'll be with the Seahawks. Um, Baker's always rubbed me as a little bit um, too big for his britches and a little too much ego. And I know that he's been ripped pretty hard that he did a lot of progressive commercials when he should have been just concentrated on playing football. I think that's an old school take. You take the money where you can. But do you feel like he was totally respect disrespected or you think it's just business? Well, you know, he played with a torn labrum in his left shoulder. And you can see that. He, in the throwing process, that's kind of a balancing aspect for throwing. Uh, he had a big disagreement with, with, with Beckham uh, when they didn't get along too well. He, What a difference a year makes. Last year, he beats Pittsburgh in the playoffs. He got had kids named with his name all through Cleveland. This year, he plays injured, and suddenly it's of no value. Now, I wouldn't say he's going to Seattle because Seattle's had more than enough time. Story is now, what I read today was the only way the Browns can move him is if they throw in a, a draft choice. They mm. literally have to give him away. They have to throw in a draft pick to get rid of him. Mm. So, uh, you know, everyone says, you know, there's going to be two quarterbacks out there for teams. Garoppolo and Baker. And to me, Garoppolo, still, he's almost 30. He still throws some stupid throws. <laughs> I mean, look at the end of the Rams game. He should just eat the ball. Look at the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Uh, neither one of them, to me, are probably starting quarterbacks. They could be caretaker quarterbacks. Uh, to me, Baker Mayfield's on the same level as Kirk Cousins. But Kirk Cousins is bringing down half a billion dollars, and Baker's looking for a team to play. I, with the tragedy of Haskins dying this past weekend, I would not be shocked to see Mayfield go <coughs> to the Steelers. Ooh, really? Yeah. Well, I was about to ask you if you had a choice between Baker Mayfield, uh, Murray with the Cardinals, or Cousins with the. Vikings, who would you take? I'd take the youngest guy. I'd take Murray. Murray Thank seems you. to be a head case all to himself, too. Well, At least with think, Cousins, you don't have the head case, but he, I think he's already reached a ceiling. Cousins he's, a, he's a 500 quarterback. That's what he is. He's, five, he's a caretaker quarterback. I think if Murray has the right coaching that allows him to do what he needs to do, he could be in Mahomes. Not quite as good. But I think he has time. I think he's young enough that if if there is a ego problem, that can be corrected. Extent. Uh, I kind of wonder. This is the first time Baker's failed. You got to realize. Okay, he played at two schools. He he played at Tech. He played at Oklahoma. Uh, Didn't have a scholarship. Was a walk on at both schools. He's had these public blowouts. But I mean. 
He went out there injured. That showed me a little bit of something. He feels like to me he's Johnny Manziel that hung in there better. That's what he feels like to me. Well, to me, he's he's bigger than him, and he can he. You get him in the right offense, he's successful. Uh, yeah, boy. I mean, like I said, he he did he took the Browns to the playoffs a year before. The first time since I don't know the 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 nineties, and he got he was injured, and they came to any quarterback. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised, and that was a tragedy for for Haskins uh, again training down in Miami and walking across I ninety five. Yeah, uh, I mean that's you, you gotta you know the impact because a lot of the Pittsburgh players were down there training with him. Yeah. And this is a young man that showed so much talent at Ohio State and was kind of forced into a bad situation because when he was drafted, it was the owner that wanted to draft him for for Washington. And uh, Gruden, who was uh, Jay Gruden, who was coach that time, came out and said he didn't want to draft him. So I think that kind of delayed his development. And, you know, Let's face it, you know, Pittsburgh is a place where you can you you, you can rehabilitate to an extent. I, I thought he had generally a chance to challenge Trubisky for the starting role before this 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 tragedy. I like I said, I don't think Baker's Manziel didn't have. I mean, didn't have the fire to win. Yeah, I Manziel. Mean, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, you know, you don't want to play psychiatrist, but he comes from a very wealthy family, and I just didn't see the interest of that I have to play. And he, he tried to monetize everything. Yeah, I would love to see Baker go to the Giants or the Jets just for the fun of it. Can you imagine all the media in New York just having fun with Baker? Like, hey, you need to sit, you know, the other guys down, let Baker play. That would just be fun. You want to hear the wildest thing? This is reported by the Boston Herald, not taking off subject. There was a plan afoot at one time where Tom Brady, when he retired, contacted the Dolphins about becoming their director of player personnel. (laughs) Cognizant of this plan was they were going to bring Sean Payton on as coach. Remember when Sean Payton left New Orleans, he said, I'm not through coaching. I'm going to take a break. Brady was going to work it out where Peyton would be the coach. He's player personnel. About a month into the season, remember now, his rights would still be owned by Tampa Bay. And then Tampa Bay would go like, well, we're getting nothing for this. They would throw him a draft pick, a third or fourth. And Tom Brady, with that wide receiving crew now down in Miami, would have been the quarterback for the Dolphins. Mm. But this fell apart because the Glazer family owns the Buccaneers, went to Tom and said, whatever you want, please come back. And he went and visited them in England where they own a Premier League team and basically put two and two together. It was he didn't want Bruce Arians to be the coach anymore. Really? I hadn't heard that because there was rumors that way, but – Bruce Aarons denies that. Yeah, Bob, well, what was he going to say? The guy to the left of me got me fired? 
Do you think so Aaron's it had far. passed him? He wasn't doing a good job anymore? I think Aaron's didn't kiss the lower proximity of the backside of Tom Brady. I don't think he, I think more like I Belichick. I think he couldn't be tough enough. I think Brady wanted him to be more Belichick-like and be tough on the other players, like um, Brown and other players. Well, he was tough on Brown. He cut him. <laughs> I mean, Brady did not want him to be cut. But there's an article in the Boston Herald. Check it out. Brady tried to work these things out between his retirement and his comeback. He wanted to wind up in Miami. They talked to the owner. Now, the owner of the Miami Dolphins is a big supporter and graduate of Michigan, Stephen Ross. And Tom Brady went to school at Michigan. Yes. Okay. Kind of easy to draw the picture there. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. Conspiracy, right? Well, again, read the Boston Herald. This is not me. In a back chat room trying to come up with wild theories. Are you that saying that Tom Brady is one of the most manipulative star players ever? <laughs> I think all star players are. Rodgers is manipulative. All of them are. But I is mean, it like using your influence? Look at LeBron. He realized he had that much power. Why not use your power at that point if you've been in the league that long to get what you want? And he wound up with uh, a rotisserie team. <laughs> And and where are they at? Yeah. So the playoffs. Who, who will not be on the LA Lakers next year? Russell Will Westbrook gone. Wow. Yeah, Westbrook's gone. Uh Camelo Camaro uh, Anthony's gone. Camelo's Anthony's gone. Uh it'll be A D and it'll be LeBron and they'll try and get some pieces together, but I don't who wants to be coach? Because you're a proxy coach. I mean, yeah. who are you going to bring in? The, I mean, I know the name that LeBron wants is a possibility, but I don't think he's the person to lead him. That's Mark Jackson. Hmm. Remember, Mark Jackson had a pretty good team in Golden State, but what happened? Steve Kerr got a hold of it and made it three-time national uh, world champs. Yeah. And how long? Mark Jackson's been out for 10 years. Oh, yeah. He's living the good life doing the announcing. Yeah, I mean, it's why I bring him in, or you know, or I don't think any of the Van Gundys would take it. The usual, the usual victims aren't going to take it. Who would take that job, knowing that it's either a world championship or you're going to be fired to that extent? An old team that is broken down and injured, mm-hmm. and the team they traded four players and two draft picks for. Mike Fratello, come on down. Fratello, the czar. Huey Brown, come on The czar. Nah, I don't see Huey. How many old coaches can we name here that are still around? They're still alive. Don Nelson is still growing weed in Hawaii. Maybe Don (laughs) Don Nelson will do that. Or his son, Donnie Nelson. Come on down. Uh, Old old coaches. Yeah, who's some of your favorite old NBA coaches? Well, here's the wild rumor I've heard. You know which coach LeBron has more respect for than any? Oh, Jackson. Keep nope. Coach K. Oh no. There's a wild rumor floating around here that Coach K is going to coach the Lakers next year. Oh, Coach K, man, don't. Yeah, see, he was he's been approached by the Lakers twice. He was approached by the Celtics. Yeah, and came very close to going to the Celtics. A lot of people know that Roy Williams was approached by. Before Phil Jackson went to the Lakers, Roy Williams was approached. 
and came very close to going coaching the Lakers. Then he realized I'm a college coach. I'm not a pro coach. Yeah. It's a whole different. Um, well, he was on that Larry Brown, 2004 Olympic team that didn't medal. Hey, Larry and, Brown's well, still around. Get him out of retirement. Yeah. yeah. Larry's at Memphis. He may be the head coach in Memphis <laughs> after Penny gets canned for all those NCAA. Larry Brown's addicted to basketball, man. He is. Crazy. Oh, he, he's, he's going to die coaching on the side of the court. I mean, that's, I hate to say it, but that's the way he's going to go. Rick Patino to LA Lakers showtime. Patino <laughs> was, was offered. Who was it? He was offered someone not too long ago was, George Tech or somebody. He said he's going to stay at Iona. Yeah. I mean, he's, he knows, he, I think he understands that, uh, Iona will be the last team he ever coaches. I don't, I don't see him moving on. So is there any former player that isn't a head coach yet that you think, gosh, that former player would be good head coach. And, you know, you got Steve Nash over there in Brooklyn doing his bit. Um, Isaiah Thomas flamed out multiple times. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of as a, a former player that would be really good, like Steve Kerr's proven that it yeah. happens. Um, uh, Paxton's a general manager, he would have been good. Uh, I'll tell you a while when he's an assistant coach at Memphis and he's coached in high school. That's Rashid Wallace. <laughs> I think she, well, he's used to getting the T's, so that wouldn't be a yeah. problem. Um, uh, See, I, only, I have questions about Steve Nash's coaching because I haven't seen where it's done much of anything. Yeah. Uh, old guys who come back to coach now. Well, you know, for a while there it was TV announcers. Players would be TV announcers and then become head coaches. That was the path. And I'm thinking about the TV announcers right now. How about Reggie? Um, no, no. He's got to be near his Wendy's. <laughs> He's got to sell those burgers. We know Charles couldn't do it. How about Kenny? Kenny oh, he'd, be, he'd be recruiting. Going, these kids are terrible. 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 I think Kenny Smith is, is okay where he's at. Yeah. Vince Carter probably could do it. Jerry Stackhouse is doing it. Yeah, that's true. Vince has done a pretty good job broadcasting in that respect. But, but uh, you know, that's, no, I don't let me. I mean, after you make that kind of money and if you done well and invested that's a step down to be a coach yeah. and aggravating i mean you, you look at there's some guys like the mcconnell kid who plays for indiana i think you know you look for usually point guards point guards yeah catchers are usually great coaches in baseball right yeah point guards are usually your real good coaches in, in basketball lenny wilkins was a point guard i mean you, you look I, I didn't realize it and, until last night that uh, Nate McMillan, who was a point guard, is like eighth all-time victories. Yeah, he's in done Indiana. a lot out in Portland and on the West Coast. Seattle and Indiana. I mean, he's just, just one of those lifers that you see. Yeah, that's the kind of guy you're looking for, but I don't know how many guys who – I know there's a couple guys coaching in, in, the, uh, in the, uh, the, the G League. I've been watching the G League finals. Right. So, so which college right coach right now would be the best fit for the Lakers? I mean, you have some really good your friend out Houston. Maybe it's his time. Nah, Kelvin doesn't want to do pro. He was he was an assistant in the pros for a while. Uh who what college coach would I try and steal? They tried to do rumors that Jawan Howard was being considered, but there's no way he's going. He's no. got one son. 
in the program right now. Another one coming next year. He's, he's uh, I could I'd see him going to one pro program. Miami. Yeah, when when Spolter, yeah, when Spolter bumps him up to general manager, when Pat Riley uh, goes down the river sticks, and uh, his portrait gets real old at that time. Picture of Dorian Gray. Uh, yeah, I can see him going to Miami pretty easily. Uh, young coach, you know, there's one college coach that's undefeated right now, and I cannot remember his name, but he's the coach at, at Georgia State because he took over interim for Xavier when Xavier ran the table and won the NIT. Uh-huh. So a young coach who wants to go into the pros. How about the guy at Marquette? Uh, um, I can't remember his name right now. It's been in, he was at Texas. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and then he was at Richmond, yeah. uh, VCU, VCU. Smart, isn't his name? Yeah, yeah, Shaka Smart. Shaka. Uh, I don't know if Nick Cronin wants to take a chance. All right, well, we're going down the rabbit hole here. Let's let's change okay. to some culture. What are you watching on TV? What have you seen on the movies? Um, let's go there for the last five minutes. Okay, I am streaming three series right now, Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. And uh, Oscar Isaac's one of those actors that you you know done so much, you don't realize the leading man he has. And and this is actually the series is directed by uh, someone who's from Egypt, so it's a lot of Egyptian mythology in it. And quick story, it's dealing with a guy with multiple personalities. It's it's been enjoyable. Also been watching Picard. Uh, this is the second of the third season they're doing. And uh, it's a little bit all over the place, but you know, Patrick Stewart could read the phone book. There, <laughs> there's certain actors, Patrick Stewart, Samuel Jackson, they could read the phone book I'd watch. Uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins, like I said, they could do a commercial for denture cream and I would watch it. They would have that. The other I'm watching on HBO Max is uh, uh, DMZ which is based off of a DC comic book, which imagines in the not too distant future that America has had a great civil war. The, the rural states have uh, rebelled against the East and West coasts. So New York city is the militarized zone and a nurse tries to go through it to find her son and find out he's actually ruling the area and it's, it's the apocalyptic, also the idea of the vision of how we've been so separate. And it's, it's, it's a well-done little show. Uh, it's, it's done well in that respect. Getting ready for Obi-Wan, which is coming out the 1st of May. And uh, for those people who have HBO Max, The Batman comes out uh, next Monday already. You can stream it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so, really looking forward to Obi Wan too. I've been because I like the Mandalorian series and the Boba Fett, which was really Ma- uh, Mandalorian Part Three. Um, but they were all so well done that you know I loved watching those. And um, I said the last podcast, Moon Knight just wasn't my cup of tea. I get it; it's it's well done. It? it looks have like a movie, but I, for whatever oh, yeah. reason, I'm not grooving on that right now. Um, well, you're dealing with somebody with severe mental illness as as the uh, protagonist. And that's a little difficult. I mean, Marvel had another series 
which was based on that and and on FX, and it didn't do all that well either in that respect. I mean, that's that's a subject that we we tend to shy away from. And again, we've talked about this. Uh, Disney and Marvel are going for these very very niche type characters. Ms. Marvel is next, and then doing the She Hulk. So how so is Ms. Marvel different than? Um... Captain Marvel. She stretches like Mr. Fantastic. Oh, oh. She she got exposed to something and she is an Arabic American. So it's it's kind of an ethnic character. So we're, we're trying, trying our best to cover as much as all Well, we can. they're they're doing Echo, who is Native American. Uh, she was in uh, the Hawkeye series. They're branching off to her. She-Hulk, they're trying to do like Harvey Birdman on the old uh, uh, Turner Classics, kind of a comedy about how she represents other superheroes. Mm. And, and it's, again, with the stretchy clothes, the stretchy purple pants that the Hulk has. <laughs> and then I uh, have not been able to go see... Um, Oh, the Marvel movie is out. The guy is Spider-Man uh, villain. A vampire. Oh, Morbius. Morbius. Yeah, which is getting bad, bad reviews. Yeah, Jared Leto. I saw a preview. He was on The Tonight Show in the preview. It looked like a vampire, ghoul, superpowers, but just... It, it, it looked more like it should be around Halloween than right now. Well, see, Sony's trying to create the Sinister Six. And I think the problem is with these villains is you have to pick an actor that is so outstanding. They were able to do that with with Venom. And again, he's such an electric actor to see uh, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is another one of those. That if I see Tom Hardy in a movie, I'm going to watch it. I mean, I only watched one season of Peaky Blinders because he was in it. And Jared Leto is, is not an actor that I'm going to seek out that if I see him in a movie, I'm going to look, I mean, that's not an appeal there. So I think a lot of the times these superhero movies, it's, it's a lot of the appeal of the actor. Oscar Isaac is somebody that I've liked, but everything he's done, even, even the uh, X-Men when it was all caked up with makeup, but uh, Lito's not someone's going to draw. I don't know how many people are going to go to the movies with him. I think what that's part did he play in X-Men? Uh, what is it? The guy, the ancient Egypt guy. He was uh, was gonna the next to the last one. I cannot remember his name. The original. He was the original X Man. Remember they had to go to Egypt, and uh, he was he had so much prosthetics on you couldn't even recognize. Yeah, him. I'm, not, I'm not pulling it up. Yeah. Well, the question is, are we wearing out on superheroes? But Spider-Man proves if it's done well, we're not, right? If you have actors that, like, you know, anything Cumberbunch does, I'm going to watch. So I'm excited to see uh, the next Doctor Strange movie. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen does a pretty good job. And the idea that even if it's a cameo, that Patrick Stewart's in it, you got me there. Yeah, because Patrick Stewart's supposed to be um, one of the Guardians or whatever. Yeah, but he's going to be Professor X. So this is the first introduction of the X-Men into the Disney-Marvel 
uh, combination. Right. So we're probably going to see a whole new set of X-Men. We're going to see the story again. Hopefully we don't do an origin. I think that's what worked with the Batman movie. It wasn't an origin movie. It was yeah. the second year. And I think we're, we're tired of origins because that takes half the movie up. We want to, bam, we want the action. Well, the wild uh, rumor over the last couple of months about uh, Wolverine is that um, Daniel Radcliffe, Mr. Harry Potter, was going to play it. And granted, the Wolverine in the comic book was a short guy short. with intense attitude, which Wolverine is not the biggest animal, but incredible attitude. But Hugh Jackman is is about 6'2 or 6'3, so that sort of stood it's on its ear. Who do you think would be a good Wolverine for the next incarnation? The problem is he's playing another superhero right now or a supervillain, and I hate to hark his name again, but I think Tom Hardy, who's not the tallest guy in the world. I think he's too perfect. old now for it. Well, do you? I mean, he's, he's got that kind of youthful edge in that respect. Uh, you're talking about someone who, who plays very conflicted and someone who's not dipped into the superhero genre. Is Ian McGowan. It's about the same age. And who's Ian McGowan? Obi-Wan. Oh, oh, not, no, no, no. Oh, McGregor, Evan Ian McGregor. McGregor. Evan McGregor. I'm oh, sorry. Evan McGregor, yes. Yeah. You think you think he could do it? Uh, he he's a little older, too, now. I'm curious how this Obi-Wan's going to go about. But well, anyway. The, the big story is the guy who was in The Kingsman, the guy who played. Uh, oh, Colin Firth? No, 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 no. Uh, oh, Edgerton. Ed, yeah, the one who played Elton John. Yeah, Edgerton. Taron yeah, Edgerton. They, yeah, they say he's going to be the next Wolverine. I could see that. He's not that tall. He's pretty youthful. He's a pretty good actor. I could see that. Well, Ernest, we've done it again. We've burned through some good time, just enjoying talking wherever the talk goes. Uh, what's your last good take here or final good minutes? Wow, wow. Uh again it was good to see Tiger in that extent. It's is it was was nice in that respect. Uh the good news I got yesterday was Amando Baker is coming back to Carolina, which wow. kind of shocks me and surprises me. Now he wasn't projected to be drafted, but you know, he was one away from the record for the most rebounds in the NCAA tournament. You know, guys don't miss as much as they used to. But this is a young man who put his name out for the draft last year. And I think he enjoyed playing for Hubert Davis. Now, we're still going to lose Manning because this was his fifth year. And uh, Caleb Love probably will go. He won't be drafted, but I think he'll go pro. So it's, it's nice. I mean, again, we're surprised when guys want to play that fourth year. And even the NBA tends to look down on four-year seniors. But it, it got me excited, felt short. You know, I was halftime. I was getting ready to buy my championship T-shirt a little too prematurely in that respect. But uh, that's good news for that program and extent. That's my good news, personal good news, not national good news. No one passing away this time, sorry. Uh, well, I'll take care of the sad part. My last comment is about happy trails to Bruce Willis. Uh, announced that he has aphasia, which means his Mind is pretty much there, but it can't make all the connections to say the right words at the right time. So it's different than dementia or Alzheimer's, but 
it's similar that it can be very maddening and your ability to function is reduced. I have a very good friend, one of my best friends here in Michigan, um, has it and watching him decline and be frustrated and losing some of his physical ability to walk around and do things coordination. It's just tough to watch. And Bruce Willis was always a funny guy, naturally funny, uh, just likable to watch. Like Ernest was saying earlier, when he was doing movies, you'd watch it because you just liked watching them like a Harrison Ford type of thing. Um, Let me tell you a little bit of irony. Uh, he did a Twilight Zone episode, not not the latest incarnation, but one in the latter 90s, first part of this century. He did an episode where a man loses the ability to talk. Yikes. And it's just weird to think of that now. You can bring it up on YouTube and watch the episode. It's a guy that just loses the ability to speak. He's a businessman and pretty much like someone with aphasia, everything he says is jumbled up, but he hears it as normal. Yeah. And but it's he, just irony. It's just irony that this was 20 years ago that he did this episode. I got to give Bruce Willis a lot of credit. Not only did action movies, but he took chances on movies that maybe other actors wouldn't. Uh, Six Sense and some of the other ones, Seven Monkeys, I think, another one. So, oh yeah, what's he, your favorite Bruce Willis movie? Oh, Die Hard probably is always going to come to mind first. Um, Six Sense was really a interesting, really twisty movie. We hadn't seen movies like that for a while. Um, but I liked it. He I, had the sense of humor them. that I always enjoyed in oh, a movie. Yeah. There was always like behind the drama, you always feel like he was going to do a wisecrack, and I appreciate that. Here's, here's the wild card. Uh, Fifth Element. Love. It's a real niche movie. And he actually makes fun of himself in that respect in the movie. But And Die Hard 3 with Samuel L. Jackson was, was marvelous in that respect. Yeah. I mean, there's so many he did. And you're right. Uh, he, took, he did one movie with Paul Newman, uh, Nobody's Fool. And he refused to take any money for it. He refused to be on the credits. He did do the interviews at the beginning, but it's, he's more than a cameo. He's all through the movie, but he respected so much being a movie with Paul Newman that he deferred everything and said, this is Paul Newman's movie and my name doesn't need to be on it. And this was the, about the time he was doing Die Hard. Yeah, so much respect. I think... Sometimes Bruce Willis really came across as a man's man. So was uh, Paul Newman, somebody that you respected that was courageous in their own way, uh, not perfect, had a good sense of humor, just like us, Ernest. All right, for Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. Thanks for joining Part of the Confusion. As always, you can email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com, and I'll reply every time and curious what you think and ideas you might have. And for Ernest Watts and... Paul Arnold once again, have a good night.